One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, new acquisitions. You are a protocol droid, are you not? Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this is our start of two weeks of talking about the new, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi book, celebrating 40 years of Return of the Jedi with 40 stories all about stuff from Return of the Jedi. This is probably the one we've looked forward to the most. We've covered the other two. We did a new the a new hope one. Back all the way back in October 2017. That's episode 95. And we did the Empire one in November 2020. And that's episode 244. So, but this is Jedi. And anybody who's listening to Blast Points right now, right now knows that this is the one we probably, besides like the eventual Phantom Menace one, this is the one that we're probably looking forward to the most. Yeah. I feel like if you go back and listen to those other two episodes, we're probably talking about the return of the jedi one even in those hoping that it would come at some point probably like this is great but man that return of the jedi one when that comes and here we are we're finally here yeah it's crazy to think that that first one was like six years ago i know <laughs> like this they're actually coming out in real time at the 40th anniversary so which is like are we gonna have to wait until like 2029 for the phantom menace or you know, next year is the 25th anniversary of The Phantom Menace, so maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I could see them doing that, and then there's only 25 stories. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, I would be okay with that, maybe. They can just do 25, 25th anniversary for the for the three prequel movies, books. 
which that's the thing. You know, it's exciting. Oh, like 40 stories, 40 years of Return of the Jedi. But man, 40 stories is a lot of stories. <laughs> it's a real lot of stories. <laughs> so many stories. And so many so that I was like, I actually went back and looked. And I'm like, were there really 40 stories in the other two? <laughs> yeah, because you get the book and you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read a story a night. And then like you think about it and you're like, oh my God, that's one story a night for over a month. Yeah. 25 stories wouldn't be so bad. This book too. It's huge. It's like probably got the long, cause I remember in the, the previous two books, there were the occasional stories that were like five pages, six pages or something. You're like, that was fun. Good. I had a little break. Now I can read another one. This one it's like, oh man, Every story is like 40 pages long. Yeah, there's some, yeah, it's a big book and there's some long stories. They're not all short stories. Some of them are medium stories. Maybe, you know, it's a big book. It, it was a, it was a big undertaking. Thank you so much, Delray, Delray Star Wars. We, we got the book like a month ago or something. And we we're like, we've got so much time to get. We're not going to put the episode out until the week after the book comes out. So people have time to read it. We've got so much time. No problem. But we both were scrambling. Yeah, we really were. It's, it's a fun book, but there's some long ones. So here, here's what we're going to do, folks. We are going to, I know in past episodes, we did like this cockamamie rating system for each story. We're not doing that because those episodes, there's somebody still listening to those episodes. Those episodes were six hours long each. Yeah, we learned our lesson. We can't make fun of the stories in this book for being too long and then put out a two hour episode about the book. So we're going to practice what we preach. Is that what people say? And we're going to make this episode normal sized, hopefully somewhat normal sized so what we're going to do is we're going to limit ourselves to two minutes talking about each story some may be less than two minutes but if we start to hit the two minute mark lando falling into the sarlacc pit is going to interrupt us it's it's the only thing that'll break us out of our trance we'll have to move on 40 stories it's a lot but hey the clock is ticking we should probably get started or else like this will turn into a two-hour episode. First story, Any Work Worth Doing by Amal El-Motar about everyone's favorite, Ger Gerard. I loved this one. I've always had a soft spot for Moff Ger Gerard. I never thought of him as the boss of building the Death Star 2 and his relationship with Vader. And I thought it was really interesting them kind of going. I never thought about in the thousands of times I've watched Return of the Jedi where Vader shows up and he's like, I'm here to put you back on schedule. And Jer Jar is like, I need more men. And then when the Emperor comes, Vader's like, the Death Star will be completed on schedule. I never thought about what happened in that middle time. Yeah, this is one of those kind of stories that this book is made for and and why these books are so much fun because yeah i never thought about that either and kind of getting into him being you know the architect and designer of the death star 2 and kind of contrasting him with tarkin and then also kind of the whole idea that the the death star being behind schedule and him not having enough men was all part of palpatine's plan because it like had to be for real so the rebel spies would really think that it wasn't ready and that you know darth vader convincing him to make sure that at least the weapons work without actually telling him that just the weapons need to work. And it was clever. 
yeah, like the this battle station is yet not yet operational, so the time to strike is now, and like the rebel briefing, and like the super like that thing's operational. Honestly, I never put all that together, and yeah, what a great story to start out this anthology series. Loved, loved, loved this one. All right, that was oh, that was under two minutes. All right, we're 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 doing it. We're doing it. We can do this. All right, the next one, Fancy Man by everybody's favorite art of plus author Phil Sostak, all about Max Rebo. Some guy named Phil Sostak, never heard of him, but I loved this one. This one, <laughs> pure ridiculousness, going from like the, this kind of serious, whoa, I never thought of that, any work worth doing into Fancy Man. Fancy Man is absolutely insane. It's goofy. It's silly action. It reminded me somehow of like a Jackie Chan movie. It's got Gungans in overalls yeah. <laughs> as movers, which is kind of perfect when you think about like, yeah, Gungans would be good movers. They're big and they're big and strong. I I like to kind of bringing back uh, the term Jats music because you know. Jizz music's kind of controversial, and that isn't a thing that exists in Star Wars, is Jats music, so potato, potato. <laughs> but I thought that was cool. And they kind of kept that theme running for the other music ones of like, oh, no, no, they play Jats. <laughs> we don't call it Jizz around here. Yeah, <laughs> No. I love, yeah, the hijinks of it, the silliness of it. I love that it was just going for it, and uh, Phil Shostak. Well done. And who knows, maybe uh, maybe you'll be hearing more about this story in an upcoming episode of Blast Points coming up. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It could happen. You never know. You never know. Stranger things have happened. That, that, was, under, that was under two minutes here. We're doing great. See? See? We're getting better at this. It only took us six years <laughs> of intense practice. Okay, here we go. Keep going. We got to keep going. All right. All right. The Key to Remembering by Olivia Chatta, all about EV99, which I feel like everybody always was calling EV99 Eve, but it never crossed my mind that EV99 is Eve until reading this. And I felt dumb. And then I saw other people talking about Eve and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Eve. Yeah. No, same. I felt really stupid. So. <laughs> I like this one. This one, it's a continuation of the scene in Return of the Jedi, like our, after three people, R2, don't leave me, ooh, of 99 continuing to talk to R2 and 99 be kind of coming aware of the choices she's made in her life and maybe she wants to work in a bar. I, I like this one. Yeah, I like this because it's a good mix of like, yeah, starting out where like Eve tortures, dro tortures other droids because she's like trying to understand like the meaning of life. And then after she meets R2-D2 and, and kind of realizes like, oh, if you don't get your memory wiped, you can kind of gain experiences and, and that sort of stuff. And yeah, just how that kind of changes her life. And then after she's out of Jabba's palace, she ends up working at the bar with R5-D4 and making friends with other droids. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was like a good mix of like deep thoughts and, and goofiness, which is, you know, the best of Star Wars. So, yeah, I like this one a lot. Yeah, everyone knows we have a real soft spot for Eve or EV99 and connecting it to the Mandalorian is cool. And yeah, this was a fun one. This is a neat one. I enjoyed it. Is it one of my all time favorites in the book? Maybe not, but it's a good one. The book starts out really strong. 
All right, moving on to the next one. Fortuna Favors the Bold by Kwame Babalia. All about Big Bib, Bib Fortuna, the Big Bib Man. It's everything and everyone Bib Fortuna hates. And he's just like, he's a grumpy, grumpy, grumpy Bib. And he's imagining him. He's imagining himself on the throne, and he's cowardly and hiding when all the action goes down on the skiff. This one's fine. Yeah, I enjoyed this one enough. It starts and ends with all the shipments of frogs they get for Jabba to eat, just crates and crates of frogs, and it has lots of Gamorians. I like that uh, after the. It's right. It's I think after the sail barge explodes, the the Gamorreans like giving him mouth to mouth to wake him up, and he's like, "Get off of me!" <laughs> Which the, the mental image of that? I was trying to read it like that big Gamorrean mouth. So maybe you know that's why. Maybe that's how Bib survived. He thinks that he just woke up, but really he might have been dead for five minutes, and it was the and that was probably one of the Gamorreans from Book of Boba because there are only two survived, right? So it's the Book of Boba Gamorrean, his shirt burned off from the explosion on top of Fortuna waking him up. <laughs> Those Gamorreans had a near-death experience, and they're like, you know what? From now on, I'm living. No more shirts for me. Yeah, I know this stuffy shirt business. Our fallen Gamorrean heroes never forget when they fell, <laughs> they fell off the side of a cliff. <laughs> oh, go pour one out and swallow some live frogs in their honor. Oh my god, we did it in seconds. Two seconds. We gotta we gotta you gotta keep going. You gotta keep going. All right. Next one. Dune Sea Songs of Salt and Moonlight by Thea Guanzon. All about Jess. All all about Jess, favorite story in the whole book. Hands down. I read this and I was like, this might be my favorite story in the whole book. Not just because it's about Jess. Also, longtime listeners of Blast Points know that we love Jess. We fought to have her mentioned in our Creatures of Jabba's Palace panel from Celebration Anaheim. But our fascination and love for Jess aside, this is a wonderful story. Maybe one of the best of any of the anthologies so far. I'll be that bold to say that. Well, this story explains why she wasn't part of creatures of Jabba's palace because she's not a creature she's a lady and this is a very kind of serious take on her which i was surprised and then yeah surprised by how good it was of kind of like really kind of getting into just how horrible it is to be a slave of Jabba the Hutt and that she had a life beforehand she had love and then you know she was a musician too and she ended up kind of as all the musicians do somewhat uh becoming just stuck with Jabba and kind of all the little behind the scenes business with her, you know, interacting with Leia and kind of connecting with her. And yeah, it was great. And I like that it had a happy ending because a lot of these don't. <laughs> so it was kind of nice to get that as well. Like it was serious, but still fun by the end. And I like that it probably made a lot of people Google search Jess return the Jedi. Thank you just for that. Right. Every, everybody needs to Think about Jess. At least, at least once a once a week. Yeah! Oh, oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, moving on. The plan by Saladin Ahmed. All about the Rancor Keeper. Sad, good. I like this one. Like you said, a lot of these are 
kind of sad stories, and this is maybe one of the saddest. Yeah, I like this one. This wasn't probably one of my most favorite, favorite ones, but it's like this is why these books are fun. We get a little story about him. We find out, you know, he had a rough life, but he was always friendly and happy being around animals. And then there was just the random prophecy about if you eat a Jedi, you get their powers. So he was so excited that his favorite Rancor buddy was going to eat a Jedi and, and become all powerful. Well, I like, yeah, I like a little, just a little bit of background on the Rancor Keeper in general. This is one where if somebody was like, we're going to do, yeah, the, for the certain point of view for return of the Jedi, it was like, well, there's going to be a Rancor Keeper story. It's got it. Cause it's still so outrageous that he literally just shows up and starts crying in the movie. Like if you're watching return of the Jedi, you'd be like, what is the deal with that? You know? I like too that his like mentor buddy who kind of saved him was I think one of the aliens from Revenge of the Sith that refuels Obi Wan's Starfighter, right? Wasn't it the little the little guys from uh, from Utapau? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, when I was reading that, I was like, "Is that? Could it be?" Yeah, it's a good one. It's a it's a bummer one, but I'm glad the story was told. All right, next one, Reputation by Tara Sim, all about. Big Bad Boba Fett. I didn't like this one when I read it, but in hindsight, after reading the rest of the book, it I liked it more thinking about it, even though it kind of doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I would agree. I think this one was just like a little bit of a letdown because I was excited about like, because I think we still have kind of a lingering case of Boba Fett fever that hasn't really gone away. There's, there's no cure. It's like we have... We have long Boba Fett fever. I think that's what they call it now, right? It just doesn't really go away. It just you, you still have symptoms no matter what you do. Yeah. And I, I think that's unfortunately where we're at. And kind of the idea of a new Boba Fett story post Book of Boba Fett of Return of the Jedi is kind of interesting. And yeah, this one, it's fine. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't really go anywhere. Dengar's in it. They mentioned Valance, the cyborg dude which is you know cool there's a lot of dengar which got me excited but it's just kind of there and it's just kind of like okay it ends and you're kind of like okay i didn't really learn anything new from about boba fett in this story they should have had like a one-page dengar story that's written backwards like you can only see it from the back (laughs) just for a second what almost i almost would the the great story in uh the new hope one with fake wedge like almost if that dengar was a fake dengar oh fake wedge yes the good old days that was so good it's fine okay let's move on we're under two minutes let's move on all right moving on next one kickback by k arnasalt rivera about scion one of the skiff guard people the the one that luke quote kicked in the face force kicked in the face this is a story that I'm so happy happened, did not expect to happen. I like this one. Then, you know, kind of going off known characters, well, it took me a minute to kind of figure out. It really, it takes you until the end to figure out that this is the person that Luke force kicks in the face. I didn't like this one as much, I think, because I have a a complicated relationship with the force kick because it seems to be everyone. There's so many people that post like the gif of that to complain about star Wars and return of the Jedi that it was like, 
when when that twist happened at the end, I couldn't decide if I thought that was awesome or if it made me hate the story. So I'm a little bit torn on this one. I, I yeah, it's almost like it's kind of feeding into like kind of meme kind of thing, putting this story in there. But it does kind of take the kick seriously that it it wasn't just Mark Hamill being far away from actually kicking a stunt person in a mask in the face. It was a force kick. Yeah. And again, this is kind of one of those ones maybe, uh, you know, when I'm just laying in the grass, looking at the clouds, contemplating my life, I'll think about this story and smile and it'll go up a little bit. It'll gain a star in my heart. (laughs) I can understand that. I can understand that. Because it is the thing reading these books, like your initial impression and how you feel after reading 39 other stories, there's some adjustments that you make. Oh, oh, all right, all right. Moving on. Everyone's a Critic by Sarah Glenn Marsh about everyone's favorite monkey lizard, Salacious Bee Crumb. I like this one. I, I like that... Uh, he calls Bib the rude one. I like it's a story from Salacious Crumb's point of view. It's the Salacious Crumb story. Yeah, I I liked that after you know initially kind of Jabba being scary to him that there's like these kind of like sweet moments of Jabba kind of being kind to Salacious like when no one else is around. I thought that was kind of neat to see that side of Jabba that even though you know if he doesn't make him laugh anymore he'll feed him to the Rancor. They still kind of have like somewhat of a caring relationship it's like when palpatine looks really worried when anakin's all burned up for a second and like touches his head like you're like oh there's it's kind of sweet <laughs> and this one we talk about sad endings this one maybe has the saddest ending of them all where the the sail barge goes sideways and salacious is tumbling to his doom and he's like well maybe i can make this the sarlacc laugh yeah, yeah. by using the face <laughs> Yeah, because he's got the face, which, like, when he comes into possession of Jabba, Jabba's like, you have to make me laugh at least once a day. And Salacious can always make Jabba laugh with the face. It just made me think of Zoolander. Like, if Zoolander was starring Salacious Crumb, and, like, that's his blue steel as the face. Who knew certain point of view Return of the Jedi could make you feel really sad for the death of Salacious Crumb? All right, moving on. Next one, Satisfaction by uh, another person you may be aware of, the wonderful, wonderful Kristen Baver. And this is about a character I'm sure you're aware of, the wonderful, wonderful Cy Snoodles. It's another highlight. It's another real highlight, a deeper look into the very complex world of Cy Snoodles. And, you know, this story starts and you think it's one thing and it kind of in the end starts to become a different thing. And... Working in Clone Wars, Psy Snoodles, and who would just what is going on in Psy Snoodles' head? I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, me too. I like the contrast between just kind of goofy, aimless thinking with his stomach, Max Rebo, and a little more introspective, sassy attitude of of Psy Snoodles and her story. I love that she has the little uh what do they call those droids? The one, the one, I think it's like the one that Boba Fett makes turn himself off. Yeah. Like a little, little rabbit droid. Yeah. Hanging out with her. Yeah. Bringing up zero, the hut and just, you know, vis- the visual of her sitting on the throne at the end, just kind of contemplating her future. This is really cool. 
Yeah, the Zero the Hut part where she kind of has a vision of herself talking to Zero the Hut, even though Zero's been dead for years and still kind of living in her mind all the things that badass Ice Noodles has done. It's yeah, it's a. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, and I yeah, I love the fact that she really has no respect for her the rest of her band. No. She's just like she's just done with all of them, especially Jayauza. Yeah. <laughs> You know, another one, too. Hey, stay tuned. Coming week of Blast Points. Uh, Maybe hearing more about that story also. Hmm, teaser. Maybe, Hmm. maybe. Hmm. All right, moving on. We're just under two minutes. Let's go. All right. My Mouth Never Closes by Charlie Jane Anders about the Mighty Sarlacc. I love this one. From the very first line, people stop tossing each other into my mouth. I love that this one is like kind of serious, but also just the Sarlacc complaining that people, human beings keep falling into the Sarlacc's mouth and the Sarlacc just doesn't want that, doesn't want people falling into its mouth. Yeah, I like it's it's flashback to when it was younger and, you know, millions of years ago on Tatooine when it was a lush jungle and the Sarlacc could just chill out and drink rainwater and yeah i and i like now that we're you know on the third version of this book that like you can't have a certain point of view book with this kind of deep introspective story about one of the creatures you know we had the dianaga we had the one about the the wampa and i think the tauntaun i think in empire strikes back so there were like two tauntaun stories if i remember right yeah and then just the idea that 3po speaks sarlacc is pretty it's pretty cool when that happened i was like wait 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 so 3po and the sarlacc are having a whole conversation that is why i'm reading this book that is why these books are wonderful and that's why this story goes like again it's a story that started in one place went to another place and i was there for it yeah when 3po falls off the sail barge and his face is in the sand he's not just hanging out he's talking to a tentacle of the sarlacc (laughs) <laughs> about master skywalker and all this stuff yeah and the sarlacc's like oh really hmm interesting yeah okay we're under two minutes by by about 15 seconds let's this is great okay moving on kernels and husks by jason fry about everyone's favorite imperial dignitary buddy of palpatine sim alu he's flying in the emperor's shuttle on the way to death star 2 Hating everybody, just a hater. Sim Simalu is at at the haters' ball. Yeah, my my notes for this one is nasty dudes hanging out. <laughs> I love this the idea yeah, of all of them on the shuttle, we're just waiting to get to the Death Star. They all hate each other, and they but they have to sit together because they they're all there for Palpatine. Yeah, him just kind of flashing back to how he ended up where he is, and he got there by being a really nasty dude. Uh, some Clone Wars flashbacks, which is pretty cool. I like this one. I thought it was good, but I, in the end, it was kind of forgettable when I was going back over my notes and like reviewing all the stories, getting ready for this episode. I was kind of like, oh yeah, this one, what happened in this one? I think if, if anything in this, I think comes back with some of the other stories. Now that there's been three of these books, the kind of story where it's a character remembering their earlier life. Like I know that that's just, a type of story, but there end up being a lot of those. And sometimes those work. And sometimes they kind of bleed together because it's like before he was the emperor's friend, like it's interesting, but it's also like, it's just a story about some guy hanging out in a corn silo, killing people. And maybe that's cool. And maybe that doesn't really have anything to do with anything else. 
Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's, and I think especially with the next story, we're going to talk about the stories that kind of bubble up to the surface are the ones you completely don't expect about the most random things in the world that turn out to be real standouts, which were by, by two seconds, we can move on to the next one there. That was a perfect setup. All right. The next one, the light that falls by Akimi Don Bowman about bright eyes, the snake. I love this one. When I got to this one, I was like, really, this is what we're doing. I'm here for it, but I don't know. And this is one that I read like really late at night. (laughs) And I was worried that I was with something we're going to talk about later, getting too tired. (laughs) But this one captivated me. I was into this because I've always loved the idea that Dagobah is so strong with the force that there's like so much living force energy on that planet. The, 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 the swamp creature Dagobah. And I, I really love this one. Yeah. This one's, was cool. It's, it's like we said, it's like, it's not a certain point of view book without stories from the point of view of the random creatures in the movie and yeah, kind of hearing the snakes take on Yoda and Luke and the force and, and all that was kind of cool. And like what Yoda's death does to all the other living things that are in some kind of harmony on Dagobah, how they all feel Yoda's death happen. I thought that was really, really neat. And I was really into it. I liked it a lot. It reminded me of the Clone Wars uh, episode, the Yoda arc, when Yoda goes to Dagobah for the first time with the Qui-Gon balls of light. And Yoda's kind of like, what is this planet? The specialness of Dagobah, I think, is really, really, really interesting. But hey, we're like 20 seconds to go. Let's move on. All right. Next story from A Certain Point of View by Alex Jennings, all about Ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi. Going through the whole conversation line by line and breaking it down with Kenobi's thoughts and getting some flashbacks to the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, kind of working that in. Yeah, I like this one. I like these ones where that's kind of expanding on what you see in the movie. And yeah, Obi thinking about Luke and Anakin and how they're the same, how they're different. And yeah, this was a this was a fun one. This one reminded me of when Return of the Jedi was back in theaters earlier this year. During this scene, I was thinking about the Obi-Wan Kenobi show when Obi-Wan was talking about Vader. And I was just like, oh, man, the things that they have seen, the things they've done, and like how difficult this conversation must have been for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And yeah, kind of reading the story here it is in this and i was i was into it and i like again kind of like the the 99 story how it keeps going after the scene ends yeah the thing with this i think this is the one that as i was reading it it popped into my mind the uh the edit droid extra scenes because i was waiting for him to say like i wanted to tell you but yoda wouldn't let me but he didn't so it's like hmm maybe he didn't watch the edit droid scenes. <laughs> but i was like waiting for that to come up <laughs> it's still it's still fresh in our brains like what you, wait, you didn't watch the edit right come on 30 minutes we're doing great 20 seconds to go we, we move on no lando here let's go all right next one no contingency by fran wilde all about mon mothma a mon mothma action story kind of somewhat this is kind of like the boba fett one where i was excited for this one I love Mon Mothma with a, with a burning passion, and this one didn't click for me. 
I think maybe my expectations were too high going in. Maybe this is one I should read again. Probably there's somebody listening that this was their favorite one, and they're like, you fool. But I was just kind of like, Yeah, I was kind of the same. I was Maybe I was expecting too much because I get maybe that, you know, the twist of it is it's not your normal Mon Mothma being a senator, being a leader, espionage kind of thing. It was just like straight up Mon Mothma, you know, getting her hands dirty, doing the action, but it was kind of it's just Mon Mothma by herself in a droid. So it was kind of, yeah, it was just okay. I like the shout out to Luthen Rail. I thought that was cool, but it, maybe it's difficult when some of the most important Mon Mothma story we're maybe going to get, and which will probably be Andor season two, hasn't been told yet. So maybe there's kind of, what can you do with Mon Mothma? You know, like, cause It'd be a neat thing working in what where we've seen of Mon Mothma and Andor into the Return of the Jedi timeline. I mean, I hopefully we're not crossing any lines here, but I thought of that with Ahsoka when Mon Mothma comes up. Like, oh, my feelings for Mon Mothma are so much more complex than they, they were in the past. So happy to have a Mon Mothma story because at least she's here. Unlike another uh, rebel leader with the incredible beard and hairstyle who does not have a story in here. So I guess be grateful and thankful for what we do have because she could have not had a story. Yeah, the Crix Maydeen omission in this series is unforgivable. Yeah. All right, Lando stopped us because the next story is The Burden of Leadership by Danny Lore about Lando Calrissian. It's another one that didn't really click for me. I love Lando. I love General Lando. Heard about his little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. I couldn't get into this one as hard as I tried. I wanted to love this one because I, I love Return of the Jedi Lando. It's probably my favorite Lando. But I just, I this one didn't click for me. I don't know. How did this one work for you? Similar. I think this one, I was kind of forgettable uh, reading the book through. And then in hindsight, I was like, well... I don't even if I didn't necessarily enjoy it, I can kind of appreciate them kind of trying to show Lando as a leader and how he dealt with all the different kind of personalities and types of people who are in the rebellion. Like the concept and idea was 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 interesting. But, yeah, it, it, I don't see myself like wanting to reread that one. So it's, again, kind of like the Mon Mothma one where it's like I can appreciate it, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it. Yeah, and it, it was tough because this was kind of we're getting close to like the middle of the book, and this was kind of like I got I gotta, just got to keep going. I'm not even halfway through the four hundred something pages, and it was kind of like oh man, I'm hitting. A, and both the Mon Moth and the Land of Ones were long, and it was it was slowing me down. And I felt bad because I was like, I love you know Mon Mothma, Return of the Jedi, Lando. Why don't I love these stories? So I don't know. Moving on, we are have. Gone to the Winner's Circle by Patricia A. Jackson about TK-151, who is the speeder bike scout dude who Luke cuts his speeder bike with the lightsaber, right? And he crashes into a tree. I like the the little reference in this that he has lifts in his boots to I think to make him like a, seem a little taller. There's the, I don't know if it's the same trooper, but there's that one shot where you see the trooper's boots step on the gas of the speeder bike and he's got those little fashion heels on it. <laughs> yeah. I like this one. It takes you kind of through the race, the whole speeder bike chase and who, you know, who were the the biker scouts. This one's fine. There's a lot of like trooper stories in this book and there are some coming up that are a little better than this one in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think this one was okay. You know, it was kind of cool the idea of you know this. He was a racer before he was a, a biker scout, and he really he did actually know what he was doing, and it did have some action in it, like. You know, surprisingly, a lot of these stories don't have a lot of action in them. So that was kind of a treat. Like, okay, we're getting some speeder bike action. But uh, yeah, not great. Not terrible. It was all right. Doing great. 30 seconds to go. Let's move on. All right. Moving on to One Normal Day by Mary Kenny about W.W. Warwick, Mr. Wicket. My second favorite of the entire book maybe if you ask me in a month or so is this one better than the just stories or is this one more my favorite than the just story i loved this one i love that it's like wicket he just wants a day to chill he wants a day without adventures and nisa princess nisa from the animated show keeps coming in trying to get him to go out there's several references to the ewok movies especially caravan of courage but all that aside kind of catering to us I just thought this was a really charming, cute story. It reminded me of the Ewoks animated show. It just felt very Ewoks, which was speaking our language. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This was like this perfect hybrid of the animated show, Movie Wicket, and the Ewok movies. Like it really felt like the, a Wicket that was in all three of them. And then, yeah, just the gang's all here. Nisa's there. Tebow's here. They're hunting frogs, you know, foraging for berries. And then Paplu shows up and they have a little bit of action with the stormtrooper. And it's like, adventure seems to find you, they say to Wicket, which, you know, that's his, uh, that's his other middle name other than W is adventure seems to find you. And it ends with them eating Ewok bread, which I never even knew there was Ewok bread. I know I want Ewok bread and the, the whole telling of Ewok's encounter with Leia and Return of the Jedi is in this story, and it's just wonderful from Wicket's point of view. I, just, I, I love this story. I really love it. It's definite second place top for me. Yeah, there's a bunch of Ewok stories. They're all hot, and this might be the hottest of them, but uh, yeah. All right, and yeah, speaking of Ewok stories, the next one is Divine Intervention by Paul Crilly, and it's all about Low Gray. Shaman dealing with their home being invaded by the the with the skull ones I think they call the stormtroopers and stuff, and Low Gray is having like a, a crisis of faith trying to commune with the Golden One and the Golden One has abandoned them. I you know what I, I some of my favorite stories in this book are Ewok stories and I came to the shocking conclusion while reading this book that I just love Ewok stories. I know I know surprise surprise right who would have thought. <laughs> But yeah, this one was fun too because I I kind of like the idea that it's like oh, Logre knew about three PO ahead of time, and I like the twist where you're like oh he knew about three PO this is amazing, and then three PO just keeps falling over, and Logre is like nope that's not the that's not our god, but he's like you know what no one else needs to know that I need this to make this work, so it like it's kind of like the whole idea that Logre is kind of in on the act that he knows he's not their real god but he's gonna he's gonna use it to his advantage i love the ashas in this too bringing back uh the the cartoon characters and tebow and asha just causing trouble (laughs) who would have ever thought that in the year 2023 that certain point of view return the jedi book is calling upon the ewoks animated show all comes around if you wait long enough the leaf queen where's the leaf queen when we need her some, some things are best left in the past 
I think the Leaf Queen's got something to do with the Night Sisters, and I think something big is coming with the Leaf Queen. I think we're in for a Leaf Queen renaissance in 2023. Uh, before we run out of time, the other thing I think that was really fun with the Ewok stories is that each author came up with different Ewok names for what the Stormtroopers were, and that was kind of fun, getting like multiple takes on like what the Ewoks would call Stormtroopers. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. The Buy-In by Suzanne Walker about Nora Wexley. Coming back from the Aftermath books, talking about Y-Wings, this was another one I couldn't get into. I tried. I couldn't get into it. I like the Aftermath books. I had a great time reading those back in the day. But I think kind of coming off like a Wicket and a Low Gray story, I was kind of just like, man, I'm not in the mood for Nora Wexley. I like Nora, but it was just like, ah, I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I wasn't too into this one. It was too much sabak, too much... Too serious, but I I did like there was uh, some Wes Jansen in here. There is a couple stories with some Wes Jansen moments, which was kind of fun to see. But yeah, same sort of thing where it's like the the elements were there maybe, but I just I didn't get I wasn't into the story. I wanted I wanted to get into it, but I yeah I had a tough time with this one. I'm sure for some people this is probably their favorite. I know people love Nora Wexley, um, but I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't get into this one. And I'm sure there's people that just didn't even read the Ewok stories because they couldn't handle it. So, you know, you love what you love. So, and, and if you're listening to this, you probably know what we're going to like. <laughs> so, so, sorry. People people reading this book could probably tell when they're reading and they're like, oh, Jason and Gabe are going to love this one. Yeah, they will not shut up about this one. we be hearing about this one for the next two years. Great. <laughs> All right. Move, moving on before Lando yells at us. Uh, the next one, The Man Who Captured Luke Skywalker by Max Gladstone about Alatin Igar, which I do love the fact that Star Wars is ridiculous and all these people have names, even if they shouldn't have names, they do because it's Star Wars. So, yeah, this one was cool. I like this one a lot. I was excited when this one kind of came up. I'm like, okay, after the Noah Wexley one, I'm like, okay, what's the next one? Oh, cool. The guy that just like, he was carrying only this, you know, that brings Luke to Darth Vader. And I love the concept that Luke kind of surrenders himself to him. And they have this kind of deep conversation in the woods, walking to that platform. Really interesting about like the Clone Wars and Igar's relationship with the Jedi and lightsabers and Luke hears his perspective from being like a kid, basically right in the Clone Wars to what he thinks of the Jedi. It's that was really interesting. Yeah. These are the kind of stories that it's like, this is what this book was made for, where it's like just slightly out of the frame of the movie and kind of filling in things in a really interesting way of like, yeah, of course Luke probably had a conversation with the with the uh, imperials and kind of you know it felt like a return of the jedi luke's personality of just kind of very very jedi like talking to them about just the state of things and just being totally not at all concerned about the stormtroopers or the imperials like whether they're you know pointing their guns at them or not he's just totally chill like it's whatever he's not worried he's luke <laughs> All right, moving on. Akbar by Jarrett Krasowska about the Admiral himself. Uh, this is the, uh, you know, every one of these had like at least one, I think just one, like kind of 2D comic strip 
story, and this is the one for this one. I love Jarrett's uh, Young Jedi School graphic novels, books for kids, and a very old episode of Blast Points. You can actually hear an interview with my daughter and him that was done in Ann Arbor. But this one was kind of a letdown. I, I like his I like his style. Uh, I, I, like I said, I love those books he did. But in the end, it's just kind of this one just leads up to it's it's kind of like the kicking Luke one for you, where it just kind of leads up to Akbar saying it's a trap. And I was kind of like, really? Kind of a letdown. I thought the exact same thing where I was expecting to love this one because I usually am like excited that they have the comic cartoon page uh, in these books and then yeah kind of reading it and like waiting for the punchline you know to be blown away and it's like it's just a trap yeah i was like oh come on these books are for getting getting wild and out there and this one was just kind of yeah too straightforward it was too easy yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sick of it's so. a trap in general and think people thinking that's really funny or something maybe we're maybe we're just too, we're just too old we've been hearing it for so long <laughs> If you were six years old, it's probably awesome still. So, yeah, that's true. Hey, hey, that's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. Next one. The Impossible Flight of Ash Angels by Mariki Nijkamp about Arvel Surrend. This is a long part of a long string of pilot stories. And this one's about an A-wing pilot. And this is kind of an interesting thing in this book and these books in general, like kind of the attitude going in with new characters, like, Hey, here's a new A-wing pilot character versus characters like the, the, the guy who brought Luke to Darth Vader or Bib Fortuna or something. You kind of got it. When you go into like a story about like a whole new character, that's an A-wing pilot, you kind of got to, oh, okay, here we go. You know? <laughs> Well, this is, I mean, this is, I think, one of the people in the movie who, like, doesn't have lines or, I mean, so, like, they're picking people that you see, but it's, like, yeah, I think some of these, like, because this one, I just really wasn't into it either. It's, like, I appreciate them, like, finding these, you know, freeze-framing on a Rebel pilot and and getting a story about them, but maybe I just don't like pilot stories, because <laughs> I kind of feel like if you go back to the other books when there was, like, too many just general, you know, stormtrooper pilot rebel stories. I think I, they kind of lost me too. So, you know, maybe it's a, a me thing, but yeah, I wasn't really into this one either. Like you said, there could be somebody who's like, there's too many damn Ewok stories, but I loved all the pilot stories. I thought that was fascinating. And it's kind of the neat thing with these books that if you like pilot, pilot stories, you're great. If you like Ewok stories, you're great. And there's, there's 40 stories. You can pick and choose which ones might be more your thing. All right, next one, Ending Protocol by Hannah Witten about RZ-440. I'm going to jump right in because this is the Stormtrooper one. I was so confused at the beginning of this because they're kind of talking about uh, what Riz and and then she had like a partner or someone else on her squad named Neo who gets killed maybe. And it's the beginning of flashback where they're like interrogating this uh arms dealer or are they actually on endor and there's just like some lady on endor did that make sense to you i was really confused by this one i had to read that part about three times because they're like there's something about this old lady and like how strange she looks and stuff 
I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but then at a, at a certain point, forgive the pun, the book, the story became Troopers on Endor, which I liked it. I didn't quite understand the beginning, though, like you were saying. Yeah, and I think this is one of those ones where there's parts of the story I really liked, and then, yeah, there were parts I was either confused or maybe it went on too long. Like, yeah, I I think this was a middle one for me because, like, again, there were parts I liked, and then... I think I liked the end when she like turns herself into Leia and is kind of, you know, talking to Leia. I don't know what I think about this. <laughs> and again, it's like there, there's several trooper stories in this book too. And there's, there's some that are stand out more than others. Moving on with two seconds to go. Oh my God. All right. The last flight by Ali Hazelwood about Sila Cott, one of the, another pilot. I was kind of phasing out with this one. Yeah, the bad thing, I think, is that they kind of put these next to each I guess if they put them next to each other or spread them out, they all, it still gets confusing in my mind, like which one is which. I think this had some some relationship drama. It's, uh, somebody they loved stayed on their home planet and died sabotaging the lab they worked at or something. And then Sila dies in the battle and... I don't know. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like some people probably really love this one. I was just okay with it. You know, and I, I it makes me think of something with these stories that marathon trying to tear through this book is not the way to go. Almost I almost wonder if something like The Last Flight if you if this if I read this just randomly and not side to side with all these other stories, what my opinion of a lot of these, especially these not known character pilot stories would be because I feel like I'm sometimes going in with an, too many expectations or too many like, oh, I don't know this name, so therefore I'm not as interested, which isn't fair in my opinion. Well, and it is a good point. Yeah, like we said, if if you do have the time, I feel like we've said this with the previous books too. Like, if you do have the time, yeah, read one a day or, or read one a week and spend the whole year on it. And, you know, maybe you'll get more out of it because it's kind of like it's almost like these should be like those calendars where like every day the calendar has a quote on it. Or it's like every day in the calendar is a certain point of view story and you kind of take your time with it and savor it because you have to you don't get another one till the next day. All right. Next one. Twenty and out by Lamar Giles uh, about Core Laren, one of the Death Star Gunners. <laughs> this is one of the ones that I was kind of into it. And then they got into the safety rail jokes, which just seems like really tired at this point. Like I've heard the safety rail jokes for so long about Star Wars. Why don't they have safety rails that I just tuned out after that? And it really leans into the safety rail thing. At first, I thought it was just kind of a throwaway line. But then it's kind of like, oh, no, this whole thing's about this guy wants safety rails. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he almost falls into the laser because there's not safety rails. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little kind of memeish and a little Internet humor kind of thing. But yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. The next one, The Ballad of Nanta, Nanta by Sarah Kuhn, about Nanta, Nanta, one of the Ewoks. I was, I'm sure somebody reading this remembers all their Ewoks and knew what was going to happen. 
I don't remember all the Ewok names as well as maybe I should. And this one was really sad because like two thirds of the way through it, I was really hoping that Rombo was the Ewok that dies and not Nanta. And uh, I don't know. I really like this one, even though it was sad. I had a feeling right away when I saw that wonderful little illustration of the Ewok face and it was called the Ballad of Nanta. And the neat thing with the book is it goes in movie order. Where I was like, oh, man, we're deep into the Battle of Endor right now. And it's called the Ballad and this is the Ewok that dies. There's somebody that's listening to us that's going to get mad at us because we're rolling our eyes at the pilot stories and the, the Death Star Gunners. But we're all here for these Ewok stories. And you're listening to Blast Points. That's what you're going to get. I love this one. I, I, that's what I said. I've learned about myself. I love Ewok stories. And anything about Ewoks was great. This one's sad. It's perfect bringing home that sad the saddest scene in cinema history of nanta dying and well and i like the whole idea that the the ewoks have the story keeper and it's kind of really important to them but it's also kind of like when you get the random ewok who just doesn't want to do anything and just daydreams you're like we're gonna make you the story keeper but then it you know it ends up working out because they write all their stories on the tree i don't know yeah i really like this one it was sweet and yeah, I was just holding out hope the whole time that they're gonna, the twist is going to be Ramba dies so that Nanta can write about it. But nope. <laughs> All right. The next one. Then Fall Sidious by Olive Blake about uh, oh, Sheev Palpatine. This one's really interesting. It's like every book kind of has the the Palpatine story, which is always... Neat in New Hope and Empire was neat because you don't see Palpatine in A New Hope. You hear about him, you see him briefly, maybe with monkey eyes in Empire Strikes Back. But this kind of what was going through Palpatine's head at the end of Return of the Jedi and the way this one is told in a really interesting way with like a countdown is really cool. And a Jedi, he says, like his father before him, is repeated over and over again. Anytime we get to go into the mind of Palpatine, it's always fascinating. I was really into this one, and then it just kept going. And by the end, I was like, it lost me a little bit. Maybe like with with four seconds to go, at a certain point, I was like, okay, this is just too much. It kind of it wore out its welcome with me, which I was disappointed because, like, like again, it started out, I was really into it. So, again, you know, maybe in, in time, I'll warm up to this one, but just seemed a little... Too much of a good thing. I got a tummy ache. This might be the first one we disagree on because I was I was into this one the whole way through. I was just like, give me more Palpatine talk. And I, I like it kind of hints at, you know, he, he's talking about like his legacy and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Hinting at like, you know, the 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 Exegol plans and stuff, maybe. Just, oh, interesting. All right, let's move on. We're good. 15 seconds to go. That's great. All right, next one. Impact by Sean Williams about Kazva Joff. <laughs> so, all right, true story. I went back through the book to write down my thoughts, and I have no memory of this one. I don't know if I forgot to read it or I fell asleep in the middle and just moved on, but I really have no memory of this one. You know what? That's fine because this one is not very memorable. <laughs> Un- unfortunately... <laughs> Um, I kind of, you know, I was kind of into it at parts, but it's kind of like, it's a story where 
it's told like the same thing happens again in like other stories too. Like there's a Piet story where it's kind of crossing over like in things with this. And this one just doesn't really, it's not super memorable for a while. It's like, is this the story of the executor? Is that what we're, is like, is the executor talking to us? Is that's what's going on? <laughs> Cause I, it's like, even I was like rereading it. I was like, none of this is ringing a bell to me. So, well, you know, we're out of time. <laughs> Lando, save us. <laughs> Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. All right, old buddy. <laughs> Who'd you get going, you pirate? All right, moving on. Trooper Trouble by Laura Pohl about TK-423. I kind of love this one. This one brought me back after the the snoozer that was Impact. This one kind of brought me back. It's like a diary of TK-423 really irritated that there's no calf ever and they haven't gotten paid and kind of the mundane, annoying everyday work life of stormtroopers talking to one stormtrooper, how he's got low blood sugar pressure and he's going to pass out and stuff. <laughs> I, I liked this one. I really did. See, this is another one of those ones that had started out strong and I was at like the first couple pages, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then it kind of clicked and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm really into this one. And then it went on for like 10 more pages and I was like, I, this is too much. So it's another one that like wore out its welcome with me where if it would have been a little bit shorter, it probably would have been one of my favorites, but it just kind of wore me out. All right. I could see it kind of like the Palpatine one, but yeah, again, I was, I was riding along with this one. I was, I like the whole, there's no calf. We still haven't gotten paid. <laughs> just the stormtrooper, just just going through the motions, going to work, kind of like this sucks. This job is lousy. No, I like the idea that some of their jobs was just to stand in the hangar bay and wait for people to land. <laughs> yeah, because it's because it is. You think about it, it's like you got all these like stormtroopers who only know how to you know fight people. What are they doing on the Death Star? Right? There's like they're just walking around, nothing to do. Yeah, what do they do? They're just standing there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, 10 seconds to go. We're doing great. All right, next one. To the Last by Dana Schwartz about everyone's favorite admiral, Piet. Piet. A little background on Piet, kind of talking about the Piet story. Oh, this one's good. Fine. Yeah, fine is a good, I think is a good description. Like, it wasn't incredible. It wasn't terrible. I like all his, like, disturbing visions of Ozzel being choked and his face turning blue and, you know, just kind of being haunted by that a little bit and him just trying to do the the right thing, you know, from his perspective and just kind of kind of being dull in a way. Like he's kind of he, he dies like he lived, you know, just like just doing doing his job, not not worrying too much about it. But it's tough because in my mind, I'm comparing it to like the first story, the Gerard story. And I'm kind of like, man, the Gerard story was great. Piet's story was fine. Yeah, it was kind of like what you would expect where Jared Gerard was like, I didn't even think about that. Right. And that's kind of the, you know, these ones that really rise to the top where you're like, it totally kind of changes your perspective either on the movie or the character. And, and you know, ones like this where it's just kind of like, yeah, all right. You know, that's kind of what, how I thought Piet would be. Great. 40 seconds. That was, that was fantastic. All right. Next one. The Emperor's Red Guards by Gloria Chow. All about uh, the Emperor's Red Guards. And I, I thought this one was good. It's not one of my all-time favorites, but I kind of like 
they know that Palpatine died in there and they were right outside the room and they're kind of like, who are we if we're not protecting Palpatine? What's our mission in life? You know, and I, I talked before in episodes about how much I loved the old Dark Horse Crimson Empire comics in the 90s. And I don't know, maybe I was, I, I always like the Red Guards. I like their look and everything, but this one's good. Yeah, see, this is one I think I liked more than you. I, I liked this one quite a bit, and I think it did a good mix of being kind of dumb and goofy and then also some kind of deep thoughts in it. I liked that their personality, they were kind of just like dumb bodybuilders, I felt like. Like, they're just like, their whole life is, they basically just train to fight, and then, you know, they have to kill someone that's their friend to be a guard, but they're kind of just dumb and don't think about things, and he... I don't know. I like he just was so obsessed with his partner talk and like what it, what was he thinking? I don't know. I liked it and I liked kind of their interactions with Luke at the end and stuff. I don't know. Maybe I was in a good mood that day, but I like this one. Yeah, I like them seeing Luke dragging Vader's body across the Death Star and everything because that's always something I've always wondered about because there's all those Imperial people running past and then no one is stopping and being like, whoa, what the hell? You know, right? 15 seconds. That's great. All right, next one, Wolf Trap by Alyssa Wong about Hoyle, a stormtrooper. It's another stormtrooper story. This one didn't stand out to me as much as the the goofy one with the no-calf one. I don't know, what did you think of Wolf Trap? I thought this one was okay. I, I liked that they had a story uh, at least about the Ewoks eating people because I know that gets a little meme at times, but I do I like Ewoks and I do like the fact that you know, as cute and cuddly as they are, as they will eat anything, including people. So I liked most of it, but this is kind of another one that just kind of felt like went on too long with all the flashbacks of him as a kid and the wolf and all that. Um, I don't know. It was all right. It was, it was more exciting than some of the other ones, but it wasn't uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Until you mentioned, yeah, the stuff with the, like they're, they're eating them. The, the Ewoks are eating people. I forgot that that was a big thing in this story, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole point of this story is they, they were just stormtroopers sitting around waiting to get eaten. And then the one that finally right. escapes, he cuts his finger off and, and runs away. Listen, there's a lot of stories in this book. There's 40 stories. We're marathoning. It's hard to keep it all straight. Yeah. So many stories. I mean, if you're listening to this now, you marathoned this book because you only had like a week to read 40 stories. So, you know, you if you're listening to this today, the day our episode comes out, you know how we feel. Yeah, we, we had like a month, so we have no excuse. <laughs> no, we have no excuse. You have an excuse. We don't, but. Lando scream sound. All right. The next one here, The Extra 5% by MK England about Carrie Neth, another pilot. <sighs> <laughs> You're going to leave it at that? <laughs> Maybe that's my review. Here's the thing. I'm sure this is somebody's favorite, but this, yeah, this isn't my jam, basically. I get it, but I just like Ewok stories. What do I know? They're not bad. Listen, they're not bad stories. They're not like, this is stupid. If you are into pilot stories, like you said, this is your jam. I just, again, I had a hard time getting into it and connecting with it. I I was just like, just give me Wedge at this point. I want Wedge. Well, that's a good segue. Moving on to the next story, When Fire Marked the Sky by Emma Miko Kandon. All about Wedge. Surprise, surprise, Lando in disguise. I like this one. 
I, <laughs> you know, I like wedge stories. I like reading about wedge. I like wedge books. I like wedge comics. I like getting into wedge's head uh, going into the battle of Endor. What's wedge thinking about what's wedge doing the pressure of going into the battle of Endor. Maybe my favorite pilot story of the bunch, but I'm biased because it's wedge. Yeah. I thought this one was okay. I don't know. This is another one where I, I think I was maybe expecting too much. I liked all the kind of Wedge and Jansen interactions and stuff. It was good, but it wasn't like my favorite favorite. But I'm also not as completely obsessed with Wedge as you are. So <laughs> I'm more into fake Wedge. <laughs> I am completely obsessed with Wedge. I just see the name Wedge. It could have been six pages and every page is just in the middle of the piece of paper Wedge. And I've been like, that's a good story. You just like books where a word ends in W and then the next word is edge. You're like, that's close <laughs> enough. Just just reading the newspaper. I think I saw wedge in that story. <laughs> that wedge he always turns up when you least expect him. Moving on, the next one, The Chronicler by Daniel Page about, I think this is a new made up character, Dora Mar. I don't know. What did you think of this one, Gabe? What, what are your thoughts? This is one of those ones, I think, in hindsight, there are moments that I liked, but this one just went on forever. I felt like this is the longest story I've ever read in my entire life. Part of it, I get, like, it's a type of story, again, I'm sure someone's going to read this book and this is going to be one of their favorites. I like the premise. I like the idea of Mon Mothma, you know, wanting to chronicle the, the stories of the rebellion and it being a person because then, you know, it can't be intercepted by the empire i kind of liked hearing from the the heroes because this kind of had everybody in it but i don't know it was just it was just too much but i like leia being excited about alderaan biscuits and and stealing them all it's a tough one yeah because we're kind of like man we're in the end of return the jedi this is like nonstop excitement and great stuff really interesting period of time but it's yeah a lot of times with this one i was kind of like where's this going where is this going and then it keeps going <laughs> somebody somewhere it's their favorite story in the whole book 25 seconds to go it's great all right the next story the veteran by adam lance garcia about dexter jetster i like this one i think this is the one that when the stories all got announced, the one that a lot of people were shocked to see the, that there was going to be a Dexter Jetster story in a, a Return of the Jedi anthology book, but it makes total sense when you're reading it. And I, I never thought about he has this restaurant on Coruscant and how would Dexter Jetster feel about the Galactic Civil War? Kind of remembering that moment with Obi-Wan Kenobi the celebrations going on on Coruscant and Dexter Jester being there and his kind of unique perspective on all that. I don't know. I thought it was really well done. I like his relationship with, with Velkin, the girl. It was neat. I, I like this one a lot. Probably one of my favorites of the bunch. I was going to say, this is my favorite one in the whole book. I think because this is like why I like these books. Cause it's, it's, and it reminded me, um, a little bit of, I think it was in the aftermath book where we got to see what Jar Jar was up to, and it was kind of, kind of, kind of sweet and kind of uh, a little bit melancholy where he ended up. And I think with this one, like even knowing from the beginning that his little Jedi buddy was going to be Kenobi, it's still kind of like in the end when he's like, "I'm going to tell you about Obi Wan." Like it still kind of got me 
a little misty eyed. Like it's just, it's written really well. And yeah, like you said, like it was really cool to see a different point of view of what's going on with Coruscant and to kind of hear Dexter Jetster's, you know, regrets because he thinks he got Obi-Wan killed because he kind of, it feels like he helped start the Clone Wars. And I don't know, this is just like why these books exist to get this story a story you never expected about a character you didn't expect would be in it and have it kind of change your perspective on the movies and that character. So like this, this hit all the boxes for me. I don't know. I love this one. The next one, Brotherhood by Mike Chen about the ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Surprise, surprise. Loved this one. I this is another one I think people were looking forward to the most when the stories got announced. Kind of telling why is the ghost of Hayden Christensen there? How did all that happen? And they they frame it with one final lesson in the Force with him and Obi-Wan Kenobi as Anakin becomes one with the Force. Kind of answering, did Leia see him at the end? And what does Anakin think of seeing his kids at the end and remembering Padme? Anakin letting go. Just a, just a great, well-written, beautiful story tribute to Anakin Skywalker and everything. Yeah, this one was really good. The thing with this one was another one where it kind of changed my perspective on the movies a little bit. I'd never really thought of the end of The Return of the Jedi from the ghost's perspective and just how cool the ending of the movie is luke kind of seeing obi-wan and yoda and anakin again the idea of the ghosts seeing luke and leia together and seeing that it all worked out from their point of view as well and like just you know anakin seeing his kids grown up together and obi-wan seeing them together and grown up like i never really thought about it from that angle and that's you know what these books are for so yeah it was great it's a heavy story to do and Mike Chen pulled it off wonderfully. It just feels, it feels perfect. So all right, we're down to the last two. The next one is the steadfast soldier by Adam Christopher about Enric pride. The great Adam Christopher, the lost BG, wrote Shadow of the Sith. You know him, you love him, and you know you know Pride from The Rise of Skywalker and Shadow of the Sith. And th- again, this is another one I was really happy to be included in here because you know, I'm fascinated by Pride because he just showed up in The Rise of Skywalker and you're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And I love that Adam Christopher has kind of taken upon himself to tell the story of Pride. And where was he in the Battle of Endor? Where was a high-ranking First Order officer during the Battle of Endor? And uh, yeah, he's alone on Endor with two troopers, and they find Vader's body slash suit. And I like General Pride. I like this story. I thought it was good. I, you know what? I kind of like Adam Christopher the way he writes. So, uh, Same with me. I was very uh, excited for this story. I, it was It was a lot of fun to read. Pride is becoming one of my favorite characters because of Adam Christopher's writing. Like his, he was probably one of my favorite parts of uh, Shadows of the Sith. And yeah, in here he's great. I love him. Just he, you know, like he was in Shadow of the Sith. He's kind of, he's not a very good Imperial. You know, he drinks a lot. He's on death sticks in this. He's just all out for himself. But he's just very, very interesting character. And it was cool, yeah, to kind of see the post Return of the Jedi from his perspective of kind of being on the planet and then it makes me want more pride stories it's like 
give us a pride Disney plus show. Let Adam Christopher just write a whole show just about pride, just being a being a sleazy dirtbag Imperial and just, you know, trying to stay alive between Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith. Lando stopped us. Got to move on. Our final story. All right. The last one. Uh, if you've read the other two books, it shouldn't be a surprise. It's Return of the Wills by Tom Engelberger. Always closing it out with the kind of cheeky look at the opening crawl with the wills kind of telling the stories the wills are the ones telling the opening crawls and this one we've got revenge of the jedi we got caravan of courage reference in there these are always fun it's kind of expected at this point and you kind of know what you're going to get and they're always fun yeah i like these i i liked them in all three books so it made sense that it was back and uh, it was a good way to close it out but hey and that was our shortest Quick recap yet with uh, the final one, Return of the Wills. But overall, we just talked about each of the 40 stories, Rapid Fire. What are your thoughts on the book overall? It's a good book. It's definitely worth getting if you're a fan of the first two. If my memory serves me right, I feel like with each book, the range between... I won't say good and bad stories because that's subjective, but I will say the stories that I liked versus the stories I didn't like. I feel like each one it's gotten the highs have gotten higher and the lows have gotten lower as far as maybe this book had less stories I really loved, but I really loved them even more. I think this one has a lot of variety, even though, you know, we got burned out on pilot stories. This one does have a lot to choose from there. You know, if you're, like we said, we couldn't wait for this one years past. I think because we're just like, give us those Jabba's Palace stories. And there are some high quality Jabba's Palace stories. I mean, one of the greatest stories in the whole book, like we said, is about Jess. So therefore, the book gets a gold star from me. That's what these books are here for. We, you know, lots of Ewok stories that capture Ewok magic, lots of pilot stories. It's certain point of view, Return of the Jedi, 40 stories about background characters and i highly recommend this you've heard us briefly talk about each one hopefully if you've listened to us you've already read it because if not we spoiled the whole thing for you but we didn't really spoil it because it's still worth reading it even if we tell you what happened and you haven't read it yet it's still it's still a different experience to read it and yeah the good stories are so good that it is worth reading them all and like we said yeah there's something for everybody in this and whatever's if if one story's not your cup of tea it's probably someone else's cup of tea and there's going to be at least one story if not 10 in this book that you fall in love with and you know what this book made me try and remember the other two and i remember some stories but not all of them and it's made me want to open those books up again and reread some of those stories which maybe that's the goal. Maybe that's the thing going back and revisiting the other 80 stories from the other two books. Yeah. Just think with, between these three books, there is 120 star Wars stories. Yeah. You can read one story a day for, for almost four months. It's 3.945 is if, if it took, if you read one story a day, it would take you about four months. So and then just rest. (laughs) 
facing far, far away. You are needed as a rebel pilot. Become one in the Return of the Jedi Death Star Battle Home video game. Your mission, fly Millennium Falcon through enemy force field while battling TIE interceptors. Ultimately, penetrate and destroy the Death Star before its completion. But beware, the Death Ray can stop you. Time is running out. Save the Rebels. Play Return of the Jedi Death Star Battle from Parker Brothers. If you can stand the pressure. Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Guess what? You've never heard us say this before on the show. It's the first time when you get done listening to this episode. If you listen on Apple, we'd love it if you went over there and wrote something nice about the show so more people can find Blast Points when they're looking for Star Wars podcasts on there. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, which is a good spot if you want to search for our previous Certain Point of View episodes. And make sure you're following us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group. And we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon with tons of bonus stuff on there. There's commentaries for all kinds of things on there. There's like all of our Mandalorian and Bad Batch episodes on there. And we've been posting sneak previews of episodes before they come out. So Blast Points Army members get to listen to them early which people have been digging that and if you are a member of the blast points army thank you so much so much for your support but that wraps up 372 like we said if everything goes according to plan next week we'll have even more from a certain point of view coverage on the show you can maybe put together what that's going to be like from the hints we gave and hopefully the the fat cats at the the studios start giving the writers and actors what they deserve uh, because it's long overdue and people can get back to work and who cares about us but when that happens hopefully we can release some of our episodes about ahsoka for all of you also because we're just talking to each other about that show (laughs) which it's kind of the way it's always been but we want you all to hear it too but more importantly we want the strike to end and people to get fair wages again what they deserve that's my rant (laughs) so that wraps up 372 thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you next week bye bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you
one a day for a whole year almost into the next year. No, you can read one a day, three. I'm losing my mind. Just take all that. Just, just cut me. Just, just cut me out of the episode. <laughs> Replace me with Lando sound effects. Yeah! May the force be with you.